So welcome again to part two of our Upgrade to Awesome workshop series. The biggest question that people shared following up from last week was, it's very nice to know that I'm worthy, but what if I don't feel like it, right? What if I don't feel connected with this idea? What if I don't, it's, it's, it's something I feel in my head, but I, I, I don't quite, I, I, I want to believe it. I want to feel connected, but I don't, but I don't. So we're going to today work on the emotional clutter that gets in our way of holding on to this truth. We're going to develop more awareness and more strength. I'm going to skip that the cover sheet because that's just telling us that's just an outline. It's a good reference sheet. Um, and let me begin with one of my favorite little stories. A man passed by a massive elephant and was shocked to see that the elephant was tied to a tree with just a little string, a very flimsy little rope. Where was the cage, right? Where were the bars? Where were the, you know, that strong con constraint system? The man noticed the elephant's trainer close by and he asked him, how is it that this massive creature is standing here so placidly, so calmly, and really it could go anywhere and it goes nowhere. What's stopping her from walking away, taking the tree along with her? Like, you know, it's so incongruous seeing this massive elephant tied with this little thin rope. And the trainer said, it's not, it's very simple. You see, when this elephant was a baby, this rope was actually, we tied her to the, to the tree with this similar type of rope. And at that time, at that point in her development, this rope was strong enough to contain her. It did do the job. In fact, for many long days and nights, the elephant tried desperately to break free. It pulled, it stretched, it, it did all that it could, but it could not break free. And eventually the elephant resigned to reality, accepted its fate, it realized that it's just not going to be able to break free. Now, days passed, weeks passed, months and years, and everything changed, right? Everything about the elephant changed. And as you can see today, this elephant is huge. And the, the strongest chains would be like butter. She's entirely different than the baby elephant that, this, that she was when she could not break free of the chains. Nothing, now the rope for sure can't hold her back. Almost nothing could hold her back. But there's one thing about the elephant that never changed. And that's her belief about this rope. She still believes that this rope makes it impossible for her to move. Her belief about the rope makes it is what keeps her tied to the tree. She still believes that she can't break free. So she could go anywhere, but she goes nowhere. She doesn't even try. So today we've been talking about in week one, we've been talking part one last week, we've been talking about the beliefs that we have about ourselves, the little chains that tie us to our, that limit us to, to our situations, that limit us to resentments, to, to helplessness, to self-pity, to despair, and, and we're taught, we've been talking about how to take on beliefs that actually empower us, that liberate us, that enable us to live with dignity, with joy, with courage, with compassion. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to let go of those disempowering beliefs that we have about ourselves and to start acting, um, to act on our empowering beliefs. And just as a quick review, I would love if we can 
pull out that worksheet, the work, the first one that we have, it's page two of your little booklet. And if you don't have, if you're not able to sit with a pen and pen, pencil, at least sit down without the pen and give this a few moments of your time. Really, whatever you put in is what you'll take out. Of all our beliefs, the belief about ourselves makes the greatest difference to our lives. I would love if everybody could think about a recent challenge. And I, I didn't leave room for it because I think those challenges are easy to bring up in our minds. Think about a recent challenge that you had in the not so distant past, okay? And if you can bring up that challenge in your mind, in that moment, in that situation, what did you believe about yourself? And what? how did that belief impact your experience? So, for example, I was caught in the rain and I went to speak somewhere <laughs> and my, I looked into the mirror on my way in and my shaitel looked like a rag um, and everybody else had umbrellas or they came before the rain, <laughs> I don't know. But I was really the only person there who looked like a rag and I believed that something was wrong with me. Something's wrong with me, I'm not good enough. There's something very shameful about me and that's what I felt and that's what I felt very awkward. And I proceeded to, I'm filling in the next circle, I proceeded to mumble and stumble on my words and trip over myself, which left me feeling like a real failure. But going into that experience, I believed that there was something wrong with me just because of the way I looked. Do you see how, and that made me feel awkward and then I, I did awkward. <laughs> I tripped over my words. I didn't, I wasn't fully present. I wasn't switched on. And that left me feeling like a very big failure. Now, if I would have believed that my, that the rain actually just was funny, that my look was just something funny and that there was nothing wrong with me. But on the contrary, I was brave for having braved the rain and walked all the way in the rain, despite the rain, I might've felt good about myself, which probably would have led me to do a better job and I wouldn't feel as bad. So I wouldn't feel bad at all. So going into our, the beliefs that we have going into our experiences really impact how we position ourselves, how we feel first of all about ourselves, which then directs how we position ourselves within that experiences, which in experience, which directly, you know, impacts our, what we do and how we feel afterwards. And there you have, it. <laughs> the quality of our lives is so, so, so much dependent on what we believe about other people, what we believe about the world, and specifically what we believe about ourselves. So in what way are your beliefs about yourself limiting you and fueling your sense of disempowerment? In what way are your beliefs about yourself supporting your empowerment? So those are two examples in, um, in um, very specific examples. Thank you, both of you, for sharing. Um, and let's keep going. Let's turn the page. Okay. So let's just, I want to, before we, before we continue, I want to go back to, I want to remind ourselves of where we're trying to get to, because I think that by having that, um, by the end of today, we'll come back to this. Okay. So we, we know the, we know the impact of our beliefs 
And now we want to we want to identify certain beliefs that we want to hold on to. And then we'll talk about what gets in our way of embracing that truth. Okay. Because knowing the impact of our beliefs, I'm reading from page three. And by the way, if you're listening to this um, on live, you can, there's a link on the chat. So you can download the worksheets or you can email to info at energizedliving.org and you'll get your, you'll get a copy of these. Okay. So here's the truth about our worthiness, about our empowerment and our purpose. And knowing that makes us want to, knowing the impact of our beliefs, we want to align ourselves with these ideas. So the ultimate truth in the world is Hashem. Let me just backtrack for a second and say, truth is a safe zone. Um, how do we know if something is true is if it's aligned with Hashem's truth. Now in the book, we talk about this at length. Um, I feel that it's not necessary to like, that's all an introduction to the work that we're doing. But if you want deeper understanding of it, um, that's in the book, but truth is a safe zone. When, whenever our beliefs are aligned with truth, we can be assured that we'll have a sense of peace, security, strength, and all the empowering emotions. Whenever we believe something that's not true or that's a lie and a 99% truth is a hundred percent lie, right? So whenever we believe something that's not true, eventually that will lead to emotional chaos, uncertainty, confusion, um, insecurity, self-doubt, and all the disempowering emotions that get in our way of living with dignity and compassion and courage. So the ultimate truth is Hashem himself. And the fact that he invests a part of himself within us gives us value and respectability that nothing and nobody could change. And Hashem also empowers us to choose our behavior. So that, that's who we are. We have unconditional value and respectability. And then we have the power of choice because Hashem gives it to us. Nobody could take it away. Situations may challenge us, we may be faced with difficult choices or challenging situations that are uncomfortable and even painful, but nobody or nothing can take away our power of choice. And this is our mission. This is why we are here in this world. We are here to show up to each moment, to each situation, to our relationships, to our bedrooms, to our closets, to our workplaces, to everything that we do in a way that reflects our awareness of Hashem's truth. Because Hashem is hidden and we are the ambassadors of Hashem's truth. We're the, we're the ones who carry his light to the world, to the world, to our personal experiences and to our relationships and to the whole world around us. So let's review that for a second. Number one is Hashem invests a part of himself within us. So we want to stand in our absolute worthiness. And that's the first call to action. Stand in your absolute worthiness. No matter what else is true about you, you are always absolutely respectable and nobody and nothing can change that value. Number two, Hashem empowers you to choose. So hold your power of choice. Hold your power of choice with reverence, with awareness, with the awareness of the preciousness of that power. Okay, and that because we have a power of choice, we're never stuck. Even when we're stuck, we're never stuck. Meaning even when we're in a difficult situation, we're never truly stuck because we're always empowered to choose, um, to choose our beliefs, to choose our perspectives and our behaviors. And with that, we are with that choice, we are already 
moving forward and we're not stuck. We're already moving through our challenge and we're not stuck. So we're never stuck. Number three is Hashem asks us, each of us personally, to let his truth make a difference in our lives. So here and now, we want to try to engage in this moment here and now with that consciousness. So we're going to we're focused on showing up to this moment, every moment, with awareness of Hashem's power and Hashem's empowerment of us. And we can step with that awareness, we can step forward with dignity, courage, and compassion. Now, all of this sounds very, very nice, but many of us at different times, I think all of us at different times, but some of us, you know, before we you practice, it's like, wait, what? <laughs> and even after you practice, it's like, Wait, what? <laughs> right? Not so fast. This doesn't actually having these three abilities to stand in our absolute worthiness, to hold our power of choice, and with that power of choice to engage in this moment with dignity, courage, and compassion. It's not so smooth. It's not so easy. What, there are certain things that get in our way. And the basic things that get in our way is just some, for starters, is what if I don't feel connected with the idea of my worthiness? Okay. What if I don't feel empowered to choose? It's nice to have that knowledge that I have the power, but right now I do feel stuck. I don't feel empowered to choose, or I don't feel like my choices will make a difference. I don't feel like my choices will matter. And what if my reality feels completely unacceptable? What if I, what if I really cannot show up to this moment with, with anything? I just can't do this moment. All of these obstacles are emotions and every emotion is triggered by a value. So we tend to be unconscious of the values that are driving our perspectives, our moods, our emotions and our behaviors. We're, we're, we, we tend to have no awareness of that where it happens automatically and happens subconsciously, right? When those emotions are triggered. But if we develop more awareness of our values, then we kind of can get a handle on those values. Because once we see it, we can work our way around it. We can actually adjust them. We could change them. We can let go of the ones that we don't want to have and hold on to the truth, to true values that we want. We can establish our true values as the dominant driving forces in our lives. Okay, so... We, we're talking about values. Values trigger emotions. When we value something, we're going to be drawn to it. This is Tanya chapter six, not pop psychology. Every emotion is triggered by a value. We experience that emotion automatically, but the automaticity, the system is set up. It's hardwired by what we value. So our values are the triggers of our emotions. Just a my favorite story about this is that Beryl is a poor man who is struggling to feed his family and there's no financial opportunities for him in his town. So he travels to a distant land, hoping to earn his fortune there. And what happens when he gets there after many long weeks of travel, he's delighted as he disembarks the big boat, the big ship, he's delighted to notice precious diamonds are like sprinkled all over the ground. And he quickly scoops a handful of diamonds up or two handfuls of diamonds, six them into his pockets and, and, and continues on his way. And then he walks into a restaurant, a fancy West restaurant, and he attempts to trade his diamonds for food. But obviously the 
the storekeeper is like, what, are you kidding me? <laughs> and he realizes very quickly that in this land, the diamonds all over the floor have no value whatsoever. In this land, the currency of value is chicken fat. And so Beryl needs to find, he needs to work at the restaurant to pay for his meal. And then he, he stays working there. He sets aside most of his earnings to bring back to his hungry family and slowly and, but surely he's earning. He works hard, he spends little, he's saving up a lot of chicken fat, a lot of the valuable currency. And after a full year of intense labor, Beryl's finally able to send word to his family, I'm done, yay, I'm on my way home. And as the ship approaches the shore, he's able to make out his family standing on the, on the shore um, and he's able to see them and they're happy, they're waiting for him. But then something strange happens. Beryl sees that it's one by one, people are just running away from the shore. And what was going on is that they were running away from a terrible smell. And when the ship dock, Beryl's wife looks at him and says, there's a terrible smell. Oh my, what's going on? It smells like chicken fat, chicken fat garbage. And in a flash of gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching awareness, discovery, insight, Beryl realizes his massive mistake in his hometown. Gold and silver is valued, diamonds are valued, and chicken fat is considered garbage. And Beryl and his wife are relieved when he discovers a small pile of diamonds in his pocket and they live happily ever after. I'm so happy there's a happy ending to the story, right? Now, when Beryl earned that chicken fat, he felt happy and satisfied. Why? Because he valued chicken fat. He bought into that mindset where chicken fat was valuable. In our own lives, we also buy into the mindset where different things are valued. If we grew up in a home where education is the be all and end all, then we define ourselves and we value ourselves and others based on how many, how much education we have or don't have. If we grew up in a home that everything is about looking good, then we hate ourselves when we look, when we don't look that kind of good. If we grew up thinking, you, you get the idea, right? So what do you value? It's very important to ask ourselves this question. What do you value? What do you hold dear? What pulls your heart? What makes you run the other way? What makes you feel good about yourself? What makes you feel bad about ourselves? It's so good to have awareness about our values because our emotions are completely conditioned upon whatever we value. So we're gonna turn the page and just quickly do this next worksheet on page four. Values are the driving force in our lives. They trigger our emotions and they influence our behavior. So let's develop some general awareness of what we value and respect. If you think about someone you admire, on a scale of zero to 10, how strongly do you admire this person? So let's say I'm thinking about somebody, I admire this person on a 10. On a scale from zero to 10, I actually admire this person on a 20, okay? What makes this person admirable, admirable to you? Okay, I'm not gonna use a true example. No, I am gonna use a true example, but I'm gonna use a true example from the distant past, right? From a hundred years ago, I'm only, uh, I'm only 101. So this is from a hundred years ago, hundred years ago. What makes this person admirable to you is that they are um, perfect. I think this person is absolutely perfect in every single way. Now, if this quality changes, what might change for you? If I discover that this person is actually not perfect, what might change for you? 
everything would change. I would, first of all, my whole value system would come crashing down. If the person would not have this quality, how strongly would you admire them on a scale of zero to 10? Zero. Zero. Okay, that's my personal example. Think of your own example. Okay, maybe you admire somebody because they're beautiful. Maybe you admire somebody because they're smart. Maybe you admire somebody because they can write well or sing well or make you good cake or set a good table. What happens when that quality is gone? Now, if you turn this inward, what do you admire about yourself? What makes you admirable to you? And if, with, if you would take away that quality or that label or that accomplishment or that job that you're doing, what might change for you? Okay, now think about somebody you feel intimidated by. On a scale of zero to 10, how strongly do you feel intimidated by this person? What makes the person intimidating to you? What's that quality? I used to feel very intimidated around people who are dressed to perfection. Somebody was dressed perfectly, if their hair was perfect, if their makeup was perfect, if their outfit was perfectly matched and they, and their, and they wore a scarf and it was flung perfectly, I would feel very intimidated. And if that quality would change, I would not be intimidated by that person. So after doing this worksheet, this I wanna hear some feedback here. What do you notice about your sense of respect for other people? How does this show up in the way you relate to yourself? And how does this impact the quality of your relationships? After do, asking yourself these, these questions, what do you notice about your sense of respect for other people? How does this show up, your sense of respect for others? How does it show up in the way you relate to yourself? And how does this impact the quality of your relationships? Anybody? Right. The more you respect something, the more you value it. The next worksheet I really, really love more awareness of what we value and what we don't value about ourselves. Okay. The words we use to describe ourselves are like labels we wear around our necks and the words good, bad, successful, unsuccessful or successful or failure hold different meanings for different people. They reflect the qualities that we personally value, the qualities that are important and meaningful to us. For example, a person who values Cleanliness considers themselves bad when they leave the dishes in the sink. And when we value financial abundance, we, we associate the word success with having a lot of money. Complete the worksheet and learn more about your value. Okay, so I am good. When did you or when do you feel this way about yourself? When do you give yourself that you're a good girl? When do you give yourself that label? So I was talking to somebody before and she said she gives herself that label when she davens, when she manages to daven in the morning, she like feels really good about herself. And this shows me that I value for her. She values prayer. She values spiritual work. She values her connection with Hashem. Where in my life did I absorb this value? And I asked this person this question. She said from when she was little, it was just something that was very meaningful to her. On a scale of zero to five, how much does this value, the value of prayer, the value of davening, how much does it mean to me? She said it was a five. 
looking up at this value up close, how much do I want it to mean to me? A five, okay? I like this value, I wanna hold on to this value, okay? For somebody else, might feel good when they, I used the example before, when they have a very spotless kitchen floor, okay? So this shows me that I value a, a clean house. Where in my life did I absorb this value? My mother was a, was a neat freak. Constant, by the way, this is not about me. <laughs> my house is clean, but not like that. Cluttered and uh, yeah, my mother loves cleaning. But if you value cleaning, then you, a clean floor, you know, you wanna be able to lick, lick something off the floor, then you feel good when that floor is clean. And how much do I value? Some people might say, wow, I never realized I value this as a five, but really I wish it would only be a two because it makes me crazy. Because the fact is just as much as I feel good, just as intensely as I feel good when my floor is clean, I feel like a wreck and I'm a, I become a raging lunatic when my kid walked in, walked through the floor with muddy boots. And I don't want that to happen. So I wish I had um, only value that at a zero, at a, at a two. I hope that gives enough of an example to get how to do this worksheet. Anyone want to share any of the other questions? I am bad. I am successful. I am a failure. When did you feel this way about yourself? And having this feeling, what does it show you about what you value? Okay, let's turn the page. And there's one more. Um, we're going to skip this one. Um, let's develop more awareness about the impact of our beliefs. What do you believe about respectability? Okay, so a lot of us believe that respect needs to be earned, and but everybody has different ways that a person could earn respect. Person could earn respect by taking out the garbage consistently. Person could earn respect by by learning every single day. A person could earn respect by making a lot of money. Person could earn respect by accomplishing something very you know, important or accomplishing. What, what do you think in your heart? What is, how can a person earn respect? And when you think about that, okay, I'm gonna use this example. A person can earn respect by learning, okay? When I'm standing in this belief, how does it make me feel about myself? It depends. On a day that I learn or in a mode, when I'm in a pattern of learning, I feel respectable. And when I don't, I feel bad about myself. Reflecting on past experiences, where does this belief take me? What might I do and say? It actually takes me to good places because I value learning, so I kind of am comfortable with my failures because I look at them as learning opportunities. So it's a good thing. Um, reflecting on past experience, what does this belief hold me back from doing or saying? I can't think of anything. Okay, that's just I'm just this. I didn't think about this before. It's a just a value. You know what I mean? Um, but I I'm trying to share how to how to get through this worksheet because the more awareness we have about our values, the more we're able to get a handle on adjusting those values. And the more motivated we are to adjust those values. So when you don't respect yourself, what's the reason? I can tell you when I don't respect myself, it's because I overate. <laughs> Shame, right? When I'm standing in this belief, how does it make me feel about myself? It might make me feel very ashamed, you know, when I, when I do that. And where does this belief take me? Nowhere good. 
because it doesn't actually stop me from eating, from overeating. What does it hold me back from doing or saying? It holds, it holds me back from changing. But I never realized it actually until this, until right now. What makes a person, what made a person respectable in your parents' eyes? What made them a good person? I'm going to go through the questions. Think of an experience in your childhood where you felt ashamed. I felt ashamed when I was kicked out of class. When my teacher took away my shoes because I kept taking them off. I put them in the garbage. <laughs> She's a wonderful person. I love her. What did I believe about myself in that? Something's wrong with me. Something is very, very, very wrong with me. What are the qualities that are respected in your community? Or think of an experience as an adult where you felt ashamed. What did you believe about yourself then? Anybody want to share about this? This is the truth is that even if you don't share, I hope that you're going through the questions. And, and I would encourage you, if you know somebody else who's doing this, share it with your good friend. I understand the hesitation to share in a public forum, um, even though we edit out, but there's Baruch Hashem, 79 participants on our group right now. I understand that it takes a lot more courage to share in front of 79 people, but share with your friend. And definitely at least share with yourself because awareness is the beginning of all change. It's actually very interesting what you're saying because just recently someone shared with me that her kid came home with a report card and it was, this child is a child that has to work hard and she got B pluses, which is not a bad report card, but the mother panicked and literally like, what, why, why did you study? And why are you studying hard? And meanwhile, the kid really works hard. And, and afterwards the mother was thinking about it and she realized that in her home, like education was the be all and end all top grades. If you got the top grades, you were a top person. And if you got anything less than the top grades, you were a bad person. And, um, and that awareness really created so much change in her parenting because she was able to, because her kid was different. Her kid did need to work hard for that 80. So thank you for reminding me of that story. Wow, that was a beautiful, very, very meaningful example thank, thank you so much for sharing yeah when we're feeling um bad about ourselves it paralyzes us you said it so well it does it really paralyzes us okay i'm skipping the next two pages because i i do believe that they're very good i would not do a whole work you know i would not do a whole workshop session on it but i i think that it's so worthwhile to do those pages pages seven and eight I'm gonna go to page nine. Okay, we tend to think this is very important, okay? It's very, now, and so now we have some awareness of our values and some of the, the examples that you shared were really, really powerful, okay? If we only have awareness of what we value, that's the point of change. Values is the point of power. Awareness is the point of power because with awareness, we have a handle on what we wanna change. But then there's something else um, that's important to keep in mind as we discover and gain more awareness about what our values are. You see, values don't exist in vacuums. Values exist in our minds and hearts in relation to ourselves, to each other. 
a value system is how we hold each value in relation to other values. And what happens is very many times, all the time, we have conflicting values. And every time, whenever we have a conflicting value, subconsciously or automatically, we choose to act on one, val on one value. And in that moment, temporarily, the other value becomes irrelevant. So we tend to think that values exist um, and influence, influence us in an absolute uncompromising way. For example, it would seem likely that if a person values the quality of respect, they would then be respectful at all times. If I value respect, or like somebody just shared before, I value being a patient parent, I will always be patient. Or if a person values the importance of exercise, they would exercise all the time on a regular basis. But the impact of our values is not absolute. In fact, our behavior actually very often compromises our values. Our behavior very often is not aligned with our values, right? How, how We see this all the time, ideas that are common sense are not part of our common practice. For example, many of us value being respectful, but then when we're upset, we could throw disrespectful words at ourselves or at others. Um, and we're, we're, we wanna be patient with our children, but then we are impatient with our children or we're impatient with ourselves. Having a value does not in itself influence our behavior. What, influences, what, what really influences our behavior is how we hold each value in relation to our other values how we hold each value in relation to our other values. So for example, if I value um, being a patient parent, but I also value my peace of mind and I also value my shalom bias, and I also, I'm not talking about this person's specific example because I don't know, I don't know you, but I'm just, I also value my shalom bias. And because I value my shalom bias, I happen to be really stressed right now because my shalom bias is in the dumps, or I happen to value financial stability. It's very, 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 very important to me. And when I have, when, I, when, when, when things seem, are fi my, my financial situation is chaotic, I am very, very unsettled. Deep at my core, I'm unsettled because it's such an important value for me. So even though I value being patient and tolerant with my children, right at this moment, in this, I have so many other values at play, which are triggering so many um, other emotions and not necessarily am I acting on this specific, um, this specific value. What happens is when we are in emotional overload, we, we stop being conscious and we move into kind of like our, our Nefesh Bahamas mode, our instinctive pre-programmed autopilot, you know, we open our mouth to speak and out comes our mother or our teacher, whatever we heard, whatever was absorbed, whatever we unpracticed, unthought, unprocessed, unconscious. And, and the same thing goes with all of our behavior. Whenever we are in emotional overload, we're going we're gonna to just revert to our default settings from the manufacturer, from our childhood. But when we're conscious, something else happens. When we're conscious, we could choose. We could actually have awareness of what's going on and, and we could choose. And, and if we go into that for a minute, let's look at what's going on when we have conflicting values, okay? 
very often we have conflicting values. We may value being respectful, right? I also value being free to express whatever's on my mind. I want to be respectful, but I want to also tell you whatever I'm thinking. I value exercise. I want to exercise, but I also value my comfort. I'm not going to exercise if it's making me uncomfortable. So what happens when we have a conflicting value? When we need to choose, when we're in that mode of consciousness, because we said when we're, when we're overwhelmed and emotional overload, we're not going to choose. The best thing to do at that point is just to calm down and get back to a place of consciousness, get back to a place where we're consciously aware of what's going on. We can actively make choices. But from the place of choices, we know that only one of our values will actually influence our lives, while the other one will in that moment become irrelevant. And which of our values will actually influence our behavior? Whichever we choose. Whichever we choose in that moment, I decide this is more valuable. This is more precious to me. This is more relevant. This is more important. This is what I need to do. This is what I need to go with. So for example, between the conflicting values of respect for others or the freedom to express whatever's on my mind, in a moment of conflicting values, I'm going to decide right now, I don't care about respect. I just want to say whatever I want to say. Or a different moment, I might say, you know what? This is not respectful. And I am not, that's an uncompromising value for me. And I'm not doing it. If it's not respectful, I will not say it. So every day we have moments of truth in which we choose, what do I absolutely value? What am I willing to let go of in order to hold on to that absolute value, to that uncompromising or uncompromisable value? Every day, that's the choice we make. And now I want to go back to the question we had originally that we opened up with. And that is, what do I do? I know my worthiness and I don't feel like it. Or I know my worthiness, but my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my sister-in-law, my friend, my coworker, my boss my neighbor, my landlord, they heap such negativity upon my shoulders, in my face, behind my back, that it's hard for me to hold on to that truth of what I want to believe. I want to go into my situations um, holding on to my value, but I know that other people don't value me and that really impacts what I believe and what I value. So we're not getting to the complete answer today because I want to do this slowly. We're building up, but I want to bring it back. Whatever we learned today, I want to plug into what we did um, and to have at least everyone should walk away with new awareness and new strength in this particular um, in this particular part of our lives because it comes up all the time. Okay, so let's talk about, let's connect all of the above to our experiences of rejection in a close relationship and I want to add, including in a relationship with our own selves, because that's also a close relationship. Okay. So number one is what is the upsetting incident? Which label landed on me? Which disempowering words are playing in my mind? Which value is represented in that label or judgment? So let's say somebody pointed out to me that I was, um, I would love if somebody gives an example because it's very hard to get real change when you don't have a real example. Anybody have an example that you want to work with? I'm going to pick one thing, okay? 
Um, and the reason why I'm only going to pick one thing is because I think we need to start with, you can only like, you know, when you're doing exercise, don't do 20 push-ups the first time. Start with one, <laughs> then, then, then move over to two, right? Okay. So let me, let me, let me see what we can do here. Okay. So let's pick on one thing. Okay. The uh, upsetting incident is I see, I'm going back to the beginning. I see my stuff. I gave somebody a gift and it's on the floor. Okay. That's an upsetting. What label landed on me? I am not important enough because my things, I'm going to make it up. Okay. <laughs> because my things, my money, my investment of effort and energy that I carefully selected, um, you know, was just not important enough. It's not precious. I am totally not worth anything. My things are not worth anything. I am I am, and notice that I'm talking about myself because really, and this is a skill in itself. You could say she doesn't care. She's irresponsible. She, you know, she does, she doesn't, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't value things, but that's all about her. Um, and that's a judgment about somebody else. This skill, this tool, all our tools are never going to be about judgment, judging somebody else. Whenever your spotlight of emotions is pointed outside of yourself, that is just saying the power to change is outside of myself. And that's not the truth. The truth is the power to change is within our own hearts. In any relationships, all the power to change, all the power to bring more love, more goodness, more compassion, more connection. We need to focus on the power that we ourselves bring to the table. So what label, I'm, that's why I'm using these labels. My things are not important. My time and effort is wasted my my money was thrown into the garbage which value is represented in that label or judgment and and you said it it's the value of my time my effort my love my connection my money all of those okay now the value that triggered my disempowering emotions on a scale from zero to ten how much do i value that person's opinions it was a 20 right? She was a dear friend. It was a 20. On a scale from zero to 10, how much do I value that person's approval and appreciation of me? A 20. What makes that person precious and important to me? Shared connection. It could be anything. Okay. Now the value that is my rock. So there you have a huge, this person is a 20, a very good friend and totally not valuing something that's so important to me. Okay, the value that is my rock, then we're going to move on to this. The value that is my rock, my inherent wellspring of identity, strength, courage, all that goodness, my inherent inner wealth. On a scale of zero to 10, how much do I value Hashem's presence within me? How much do I really value? Not on an intellectual level. How much do I feel good knowing that Hashem's presence is within me? You see, if anything, if it's anything, then less, if it's a 19, if it's a 19, we are in trouble and it's human for it to be a 19. It's normal. It's natural. It's going to happen. It's going to be a 19 and that's okay. It's just so helpful to know because to the extent that we value others, that's how much more we have to value Hashem's presence within us because that's the, that's the place of change. That's the point of influence. Our values is what triggers our emotions. So if we want to have 
more, right? And perspective, here's another thing. Everything in our lives is made better when we have a good perspective, right? If you see somebody cutting, if you see somebody, you know, you're behind somebody in traffic and that person is going really, really slow and you decide that that person is driving slowly on purpose to get you. I have a friend, she told me she literally parked her car, got out of the car and started screaming at the car in front of her, like at the driver that was in front of her because she was convinced that, that that driver was doing it on purpose. Now, let's say you find out that the person in front of you is actually an elderly person or somebody who's handicapped and they cannot drive faster. It's dangerous for them to drive faster. They need to go at the actual 24 miles an hour. Okay, that's the speed limit in New York, 25 miles. And if you're going 25 miles on a lot of streets, you'll have people behind you beeping, 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 hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. But 25 miles is, so you have somebody driving 22, 23 miles an hour. If you decide that they're going on purpose, you're gonna feel angry, you're gonna feel annoyed. But if you have a different perspective, if you realize that that person is elderly, or that person is handicapped in some way, then all of a sudden, you're not angry, you're not annoyed, you accept it, you, you embrace it, you understand. So perspective is everything. All that we value, all of our emotions change with perspective. And that's what we're doing here in this worksheet is gaining awareness of our perspective. It's not enough, and perspective is the value, right? How much do, I still value getting there on time, but I value respect for the el older person more than I value and my, I value my understanding of the, of the other person more than I value my need to rush and to be there on time, right? So in this situation, we need to value Hashem's presence within us and Hashem's approval of us more than we value anybody else's approval or disapproval. Okay, so you get that part. And then upgrade to awesome. How do we do this? We're gonna be calm, we're gonna stay strong, we're gonna stay in the mode of learning, and then we're gonna be able to reconnect. So in that situation, imagine if we could replay that whole scene and I'm really feeling frustrated, but instead of acting on it, imagine if I could take some deep breaths and calm myself down. And it's always good every person write a mantra or write something, a line, that always makes you feel calm. Either I'm, I'm in Hashem's good hands, everything is being taken care of, or just plain simply, I'm okay. Nothing bad, you know, nothing, this is not dangerous. I'm safe, I'm okay, you know. I wanna remember something about myself that helps me stay calm. And then you wanna look at, okay, now from a place of a little bit more calm, what are the painful facts of the situation? The painful facts is my good quality stuff is all over the floor. My precious gift is not valued. How will I address or deal with these facts? Once you realize that it's a fact and it's not a changeable fact, right? It's something that's happening. You didn't do it or you did it, but it's in the past. It is a fact. The question is not, you're not acting from the place of emotional angst, but more like, okay, this is a fact. How am I going to deal with it? How am I going to address it? And I might have a conversation from a calm place. Oh my, it really hurts me. I know that I gave this to you, but it really hurts me to see it on the floor. And then you might laugh about it. 
And she'll say, oh, I know I was so busy making you dinner that I actually didn't have time to hang it up, even though it is important to me, but I, I wanted to give you dinner more than I care to hang up this dress that belonged to me. So I didn't have time or I was rushing around or whatever. Um, from a, you know, that's just a simple, straightforward way to deal with the fact. What can I learn from this situation about my own behavior? What do I want to take responsibility for? Um, and in every situation, this will change. And this will be different. What can I learn about myself that could help me in the future? Wow, I get really angry when I see my stuff disrespected. I get really upset. This is a really big value for me. It's just helpful to know what your triggers are so that, you know, when you want to be, you, you want to, you want to work around those triggers at first and you want to develop, you want to desensitize yourself. You want to work with that. You want to develop parallel values. Um, and, and that's the, so it's just awareness itself could help you from a place of calm. If I would believe that the other person has no malicious intention, what might I tell them? How might I attempt to repair our sense of connection? So using these skills, just having awareness of our values and just literally getting into any situation, pause, slam the brakes, hit the yellow, you know, hit the yellow light, um, calm down, reconnect. We're going to learn this more. We're going to explore this more at length next week. But I want to go to the summary. We're going to do that more next week because I know that that's a big skill. Next week, we'll have a couple more worksheets and we'll work through a few more examples about that. But in the meantime, you could start practicing this on the most basic, basic level and here it goes, okay? So let's do the summary of what we did today. We are, when we're conscious of Hashem's truth, when we're conscious that there is a God in this world who is an absolute overarching supreme value in the universe and he is the truth, here's what we believe. Number one, I am worthy and respectable. So is my everybody. So is every person in my life. Each of us is worthy and respectable. No matter what else is true about me, I am always absolutely respectable and nobody or nothing can change my inherent value. And that goes for every person. Number two, each of us is always empowered. We are never stuck. We're always empowered to choose our perspectives and behaviors and no person and no challenge can take away that power of choice. And number three, each of us is called upon to fulfill a purpose, to demonstrate Hashem's truth in our perspectives and in our actions. And I am focused on showing up to this moment with consciousness of Hashem's truth. I will step forward with dignity, courage, and compassion. By the way, number three is so helpful to believe. When we recognize that demonstrating Hashem's truth in our present reality is actually the purpose of our lives. And we don't get upset at ourselves when we feel down and out. Because whenever we feel disempowered, when I feel angry, when I feel frustrated, when I feel sorry for myself, when I feel deep shame, when I struggle, when I stumble and fall, that is not the end of the story. That's the beginning of the story. That's the new opportunity for me to fulfill a whole new level of the divine purpose for which I was created in the first place. And that is to let Hashem's truth make a difference here and now in my beliefs, in my perspective, and in my behavior. And when I do that, 
That's the purpose of why it was created. That's the fulfillment of the entire universe. I invite more goodness, more of Hashem's light into this world. I'm making the world a better place on a cosmic level, on a deep level, and on a true absolute level. So when we, so that's just so helpful to know not to beat ourselves up when we, when we fall. If I never fell, I would never have the opportunity to get up. And in getting up, I am making the world a better place. I'm contributing to taking away the pain of the world and bringing about the ultimate geula. It's so, 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 so meaningful. Okay, so there's one value that's reflected in all of these beliefs, and that is the value of Hashem, the value of Hashem's truth. Hashem is the ultimate, supreme, overarching value of the universe, right? And his presence within us is what gives us our worthiness and empowerment. He's the one who sets the stage of our life. And he's the one who calls upon us life itself through Hashem, you know, Hashem himself through our life situation calls upon us to show up to each moment with our best efforts. Now behind every inch of misery, resentment, helplessness, self-pity and despair, there's a space in our minds where we are will unwillingly and unconsciously valuing something more than we value Hashem's truth. Or to say this in a more positive way, behind every inch of misery, resentment, helplessness, self-pity and despair, there's space in our minds where we now have the opportunity to fill with the light of Hashem's truth. When we feel disconnected, and how do we do that? How, how do we make that moment into an opportunity instead of perpetuating that helplessness, self-pity, and despair? How do we really, how do we use that? How do we take advantage of that opportunity? How do we ride on it? Two basic steps. Number one, and it's three, because number one, we have to slow down. Literally, the biggest tool is just to slow down. To, to slow down, literally, like just stop, <laughs> slow down and ask ourselves two questions. Number one, what do I value here? What is the value that is fueling this emotion in my heart? And number two, how will I let Hashem's truth matter even more than that value? Or how will Hashem's truth, how will I let Hashem's truth shine through that value and with that value in a way that does not contradict or conflict with that value. And as Hashem next week, we'll develop this skill and keep moving forward. I'm so excited um, to be doing this. This is my highlight of my week. My emotions, we feel that my emotions are triggered by other people and they belong to other people. Our emotions happen in our own heart and they really ultimately belong to us. So definitely at times, you know, when I'm holding my emotion and holding and with awareness of what I value and I'm still hurt and I'm in pain and I want perspective, I might say, well, that person's not a bad person. You know, they just whatever they didn't have awareness and that might give me perspective. Right. I value my dignity I also value understanding other people. So that will give me perspective. But this work helps us when perspective doesn't help us. So 
one, one more thing about that perspective is that the, the, the end of that spectrum is that that's what it looks like when we say somebody has a chip on their shoulder. What's a chip on their shoulder? They always think they're better than other people. Everything that happens has got to do with, uh, you know, if I had a bad day, it's always about other people because they didn't, you know, they didn't grow up yet. Whereas if we turn the spotlight inward, we give ourselves the opportunity to grow up. It's a fantastic question and I could so relate to it and I used to be there and I want to tell you what the, what the, why it's so important to look inward and to process from inward. I'll tell you why, because only from a place of worthiness can we learn and change. It used to be when I was in that space, okay, if something, if somebody would be very offensive or very obnoxious or rude or, you know, having verbal diarrhea or emotional diarrhea on my plate, I would kind of like, I would do that. Okay, they're having a hard day. Okay, they're in a bad mood. It's got nothing to do with me. But you know what? In that mode, I wasn't learning. I wasn't, I wasn't open to changing because their behavior was so extreme. And that was the focus of my attention. And I needed to, I was using their badness as a armor to protect myself from the pain of, of feeling unworthy. You hear what I'm saying? Which is what you're describing. It's not about me, it's about them. It's not about me, it's not about them. And I tell it to them, it's not about me, it's not about So then I'm quote unquote doing what people say. I'm not taking it personally, right? But it actually, if you're not taking it person, if you're not taking the hurt personally, then you're also not taking the lesson personally. And maybe I did do something wrong. Maybe there's something I can do better, but I can only recognize that there's something. I'll give you an example that somebody shared with me. She said um, she was having a conversation with her husband and she, um, and she said something about like, what do you know about this? And her husband got very upset and very hurt and he slammed down the phone and he got into a bad mood. And three days later, you know, you know, he came up and throughout that time, um, throughout the first few hours, she was like, that's crazy. Look what he's doing. He got so upset for nothing. And it was disproportionate. His reaction was disproportionate to her behavior. But having, having done this work for a few years, she was part of our workshop for a few years. She's like, wait, pause stop. What am I feeling about myself? Forget him for a second. Okay. And she realized like, I am feeling unworthy and then holding on to that worthiness and asking, you know, and saying, I'm, I'm okay, actually. Okay. Breathe. And I'm feeling okay. It just, and really owning that worthiness and really feeling okay about herself, not in context of what he did or didn't do just in context of the truth. I am really okay. Let me look at what just happened. She was able to say, oh my goodness, in that situation, I was rude and obnoxious. If I put it in perspective of the other person's behavior, yeah, he was more rude and obnoxious than I was. But if without perspective, just in, just in relation to myself, in relation to my truth, to my absolute worthiness, my choices, to my power of choice, that wasn't my best self. And from that awareness, she was able to apologize with sincerity. You know what I said was actually really not nice. I'm really sorry. It was not respectful of your position as a father in this household. It was really, 
And it was like magic, you know, it was like magic because it was a sincere apology. Um, and that mood could have, you know, that could have been a negative spiral that could have went on and on and on. And I, I think we can all relate to that. I think you will gain more awareness of the value of doing this work once you taste it. Um, once you taste it and you see the benefits in your own, in your own life. Everybody have a wonderful, wonderful week. Um, thank thank you. you all for joining.